Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> What's up? This is Sharks Across Hollywood, and well, we're going to talk about mall rats. I'd uh, come in with a theme song here or something, but the truth is the opening the opening of the show is pretty damn close to the music in this film. It's I, I could I could detect your tastes forming as you watched this as a child during that opening credits. Unknowingly, sequence. unknowingly, because when I was 12, when I was 12... Keep in mind here, I was into boy bands still. Oh God, I was a I was a pop guy. I was slowly, slowly like making my way into like rock ish music. Yeah, that opening sequence, the background song. I don't know who it is. I don't know what the song's called, but the one that plays over the opening credits. I was like, God damn, <laughs> this is Andrew to a T. I know. There's it's there's Weezer. There's every every '90s alternative band that you've never heard of on this <laughs> on this fucking soundtrack. A few I have heard of, but had completely forgotten about. The only one I I still listen to to this day is Weezer but uh yeah the rest of them I was like god damn they they were on this soundtrack well I just looked up the uh <laughs> the fucking soundtrack for the movie and the first track on it is called Love and Sharks and the performer is you'll never guess Jason Lee and Jeremy London no shit like what does that even mean it's just dialogue from the movie isn't it yes it looks that way because I'm going down the list I'm like okay well Bubbles by Gavin Rossdale is on it uh 17 by Sponge is on it and Suzanne Suzanne by Weezer is that from Pinker because that's the one album of theirs that I've never really listened to start to finish. I don't know because I don't really like Weezer that much. Like, I enjoy the sweater song, kind of. It's so funny because everybody swears Pinkerton's their best album, and I've never listened to it. Like, n- never the whole thing that is that's one of those weird things because i remember i remember hearing something about pinkerton and it got like the shittiest reviews you know what it was it was actually on mtv news remember at the i don't know if you ever if you remember mtv and every like five to the hour or something every hour i I was watching mtv before you were fucking born uh but yeah they had mtv news five to the hour every hour and there was one a bald guy and i can't remember his fucking name but he's like something about pinkerton being their worst album he's like i disagree so that's one of those things that probably like oh people hated it when it came out because it didn't sound like the blue album i do remember that it, it sounded very different from the blue album it wasn't lighthearted like the blue album okay and that's the same the thing that happened to green stuff day i've heard that's the exact same thing that happened to green day dookie comes out it's a really fun album and then insomniac comes out and we're like oh whoa, shit. Whoa, 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 whoa. did you just pronounce it ducky dookie i said it's dookie but yeah i guess but the same thing i've happened. never heard someone pronounce it that way before. dookie okay but the same thing happened because insomniac is just full of all these stream of consciousness i'm depressed and sad and life kind of sucks and i'm getting fat and weird and i don't know what the fuck and and everybody's like wait a minute we were having fun with your last album what happened And then Nimrod comes out and they're like, here, we fixed it for you. I remember when Insomniac came out, I I think I was living in Romania at the time, or I was living in Romania very shortly after it came out and it hit over there. And uh, yeah, it looks like even the cover was really dark. Yeah, it's it. But that's that's such a fucking good album, though. I love that album. Armitage. I don't know how to pronounce it. Armitage Shanks. The very first song on on the album is one of my it's definitely one of my favorite Green Day songs, but it's up there as one of my favorite songs ever, I think. I will have to check it out because I, I i really enjoy
enjoy Dookie. Um, I've never been a huge Green Day fan, but that's that's a really good album. Okay, I'm done looking at this fucking soundtrack thing. Anyways, <laughs> let's let's talk about nothing but the soundtrack for our entire movie. Yeah, podcast. but yeah, you know, maybe it it kind of subconsciously implanted a little bit of that into my head. But it oh, wasn't. I have no, I have no doubt about it. But it wasn't until I was like 13, maybe maybe 12, maybe I was 12, uh, 12 or 13 when I went to my first punk show. But I thought it was the fucking worst. I hated it so much. If it was a real punk show, that's not for 12 and 13 year olds. Well, it was it was a punk show put on by the 12 and 13 year olds. You know, it was at the. I oh, don't really. They were a little older than me, but yeah, yeah. The the kids ran their own scene. It was one of those scenes in Great Falls. Now there's a huge difference between 12 and 13 year olds and 15, 16 year olds. Those was, are two completely different groups of people. You got to remember. It was a little bit of everything. It was. Uh, there were there were some slightly older kids, but then they let younger bands play, and then there's a couple out of town bands. It was at the rec center, right? And the rec center has a stage, and you'd think that we'd all be on the floor and the bands would be on the stage, but they're like, no, you go up this little ramp. And the band is on the stage, but so is everybody else. So we're what? all we're all on this fucking stage. What? The curtains closed, so you can't see out. But yeah, we're all listening to these bands on what? this fucking stage. It was, it was real weird. That is bizarre. And I'm so surprised nobody fell off of the stage and died from all the moshing going on. And I we did that a bunch of times. It was real weird. Battle of the Bands was there every year, and which they huh. used the stage like a normal fucking stage at that point. But you know what? Let's talk about Cousin Walter. So how do you yes, feel about, let's talk the, about Cousin Walter. the first Cousin Walter? story i think that that's a perfect way to open this movie this is strangely probably smith's it's one of his better structured movies from a storytelling stand you know like a traditional storytelling standpoint because he tells fairly you know i mean it's not it's not a traditional story but it does have like a nice neat structure so he sort of introduces you to the theme of his movie which admittedly the theme is just being fucking gross and funny (laughs) yep you know but that's what he opens with with this with this cousin Walter story. My cousin Walter got a cat stuck up his ass once. Like or wait, if you a gerbil. If you're out there, if you're out at that point, the rest of this movie is not for you. That was a nice way to weed out the, uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. You know what? I can never remember, like, what Cousin Walter got stuck up his ass. He started by getting a cat stuck up his ass. Okay, he got the cat, and then he got got a cat, and another cat, and then at the end, he says, I saw him going into the same goddamn pet store, and I said, Walter, what's wrong with you, man? He says, Brody, how the fuck else am I going to get that hamster out? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. See, this is another one of those movies, and I know this is going to happen. I've seen it a million fucking times and I'm gonna forget everything because we're here trying to do this I just love that later when they're standing in front of said pet store right behind them as they're having their conversation is text in the window that just says gerbils 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 (laughs) I didn't notice that Oh my god, that's fun. Um, oh, we we should preface this episode, by the way, by saying, you know, I I really like to do things in the order that they were released in. Really, normally we would have gone with Clerks, Mallrats, and then Chasing Amy because those are part of the Jersey trilogy, as Kevin Smith has called it. But it's fair to do Mallrats first. Mallrats takes place the day before Clerks. Did you know that? Have you did you pick up on that? You have said that multiple times. So I was watching for it, and I did. I did catch it when they were talking about the gal whose name I cannot remember who died uh, doing laps at the pool. Julie Dwyer. She died from Ju- an embolism. Dwyer. There you go. Because T.S. told her that cameras make her look real fat because she's going to be on a fucking game show called Truth or Date, by the way. Created, quote unquote, by Michael Rooker when it really is just a dating game. <laughs> 
Michael Rooker, who is fantastic in this movie, I have to say, <laughs> when he gets sick, his sick is so convincing. <laughs> like, I was really watching him. I was like, God damn, he is committed to. So, after the Cousin Walter story, let's, uh, we, we meet brandy and ts and you know they're they're having the conversation ts is going to propose oh this is a universal movie by the way and you know that because every five seconds they talk about the universal studios tour oh yeah that's right i never made that connection but yeah is is it his only universal movie yes i know he did dogma with Lionsgate and chasing amy he made kind of by himself like uh weinstein gave him money and they're like here here's some money and if we like it we'll buy it and that ended up happening yeah I think it was all Lionsgate after that. And yeah, and, and I, yeah I, I just I, I know it was unusual for him to make the movie with Universal because he does. He didn't make anything else with them, did he? No, no, I don't think not once. He might have maybe cop out, but I don't know. But that was also he was just a hired hand at that point. Yeah, I've uh, I've avoided seeing cop out just because Kevin Smith has never said anything good about it. Yeah, I'm kind of a Kevin Smith fanboy, so I'm I was all over it and I kind of like it. But it also it, it it was that it was that first taste of Bruce Willis being the new Bruce Willis when he's just a fucking dickhead and well that is a know. whole other ball of wax. I <laughs> part of me wants to go there and then part of me is like we got to talk about this movie. That's just. <laughs> We'll have Bruce Willis movies in the future. Too. Oh, yes, we will. Okay, so Julie Dwyer, embolism. She had a problem so, in high school. She had the fattest ass. Haha, <laughs> that's Brandy. So, question. Were you... I don't know if this occurred to you at all, but the very first time I watched Mallrats, very first time I ever watched Mallrats, Claire Foyani... By the way, remember when she was a thing? No. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I do. For like a minute there in the mid-90s, she was everywhere. And, and she's she not that interesting. The really funny thing is that uh, her and the guy who plays T.S., who's, I can never remember that actor's Jer- name. Jeremy London, his twin brother is Jason London, who is in Dazed and Confused, also with Ben Affleck. Okay, there you go. So Jeremy London and Claire Foyani, who are arguably the, you know, the big name draws of this movie. Shannon Doherty, don't forget Shannon Doherty. Oh, okay, all right, all right, uh, right, Shannon and Doherty was a big name at the time. I forgot about that. But, you know, like they were kind of like in their breakout moments at this point. Now, granted, they never, you know, uh, Jeremy London never did break out, I don't think. And Claire Foyani did break out, but then it disappeared so fucking fast. Yeah, by like 2002, she was gone. Like I was really paying attention to it at about the halfway point because I kind of felt it right at the beginning, but it did, I didn't start thinking to really look for it. They're the worst performers in this whole movie. <laughs> By far. <laughs> Why do you say that? All the side characters are just great. And and even Brody. I mean, Bro- Brody's a main character, but it's not his story. It's T.S.'s story. Brody's his, like, you know, flavor, you know, his hype man, basically. He's he's the, the comic relief sidekick, Brody yeah. is. Yes. But all the side characters are fantastic. Even the ones who are just kind of, you know, who, who they're not necessarily as good at actors, but they're, they're really committing, uh, which, although I will say, strangely, Affleck is almost unwatchable in this he's so fucking bad i don't know how (laughs) i don't know how he went from that to where he (laughs) where he ended up being just this amazing actor but the thing about that is like his energy and everything in this movie is perfect for the kevin smith movie that kevin smith was trying to make at this point yeah it is and and he was he worked in the character it's not like he didn't work with the character he worked as just being completely unlikable and you know just you were very happy to see him get shit on in the end of the movie but yeah like every other character was so interesting you know like there are so many really interesting characters i mean obviously jay and silent bob 
and Brody are like, they're the really easy, obvious ones. But all those side characters were really interesting. Uh, even the even the guy who was played by Dante from Clerks is interesting. Oh, Gil? Yep. Yeah, Gil <laughs> Hicks, who has the exact same hairstyle as Bill Hicks. But yeah, like, like you know, the... Um, Ethan Supley's character who's staring at the magic eye all day and then and uh oh god Miss Ivana I'm, she was really doing it for me in this one I'm like, into it I'm into big it big time I was like now I got it now I really want to find me a three nipple chick <laughs> but not just that like she is super hot and she was really interesting and she was acting really well she's in Devil's Rejects did you have you seen Devil's Rejects oh, yes I have but I yeah don't. she's in devil's rejects and had great tits in that too oh nice well if, if you got them just you know you got to show them right yeah rocket man she can do it i'm sure she got a whole 20 bucks for it in this movie <laughs> probably anyway sorry it just claire foyani upsets me in this opening scene the way she says ts over and over and over that's a that, that's Nobody kevin smith's does. writing i know it's so kevin smith's writing but oh god it just it just aggravates me but yeah like I, she she makes up for it by honestly being hot that's basically her character yeah, trait is she's not hot. hard to look at and she is i mean credit where credits do she's a very good looking woman i can't argue with that after that little scene i think we also see michael rooker's ass in there oh he's very i'm happy. sorry I'm, I'm sorry what i was going to say oh, initially yeah. though i got way sidetracked was that her saying TS like that over and over again the very first time I watched the movie really put me off and it took me a while to come back around to it <laughs> through the whole movie. I mean, there were other things like I just wasn't ready for Kevin Smith's sense of humor at 18 years old. I was too sheltered. Um, it was it was just a bridge too far from me at that time. But yeah, like it that was the thing right off the bat. Like it wasn't it wasn't Brody's joke about the cat and the gerbil stuck up the guy's ass, which was a little far from me at the time. But still didn't lose me it was it was her saying ts over and over and over again she dumps ts because he doesn't understand oh their whole thing is that he's going to take her to florida so they so that he can propose but she doesn't know that obviously they're going to just going to spend a week at universal in florida and he is going to propose to her well, later we find out he was going to propose to her on the universal tour when jaws pops out of the water and brody's like that's the most romantic thing i've ever heard because he should have proposed to brody yeah well then that he actually says that well too bad i'm not trying to marry you and Brandy has to do her dad's game show. It's her dad's game show. Michael Rooker is her dad. So then we meet the star of the fucking show. Really? I mean, this was this was his first acting role, really, his first movie. Uh, Jason Lee as Brody and Shannon Doherty as Renee. Shannon they, Doherty at peak hotness. Yes, very much. Uh, they, they marketed this movie with Jason Lee and Shannon Doherty. So there's a problem there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's there's a couple problems. <laughs> I can see why it went wrong for her. So I've I've made the comment about this movie that this movie made $400,000 on its opening weekend on every screen it played on. That's it. That is total for all the screens. Now, the marketing was shit, apparently, but they were using... The marketing they were using was Jason Lee and Shannon Doherty. The way Scott Moser put it, he's like, well, here's someone you hate and here's someone you don't know. So nobody's going to go see this fucking movie. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, Shannon Doherty was known for not being the nicest person on the planet yeah. back then. And Jason Lee was a fucking skateboarder that nobody knew. So, <laughs> like, and a few people saw Clerks, but, you know, you're getting those fans there. Like, oh, hey, this guy directed that movie with those two idiots and they're going to be in this movie. We Well, assuming they ever heard of it at all to begin with. That's the difficult part, because even even though, Cler I mean, Clerks killed. 
at the box office for it, you know, for its budget, it was huge. Yeah, it made like thirty million or something. But nobody who loved Clerks fucking knew about Mallrats until it hit video, which is where literally everybody who loves it discovered it. I don't think there's, I don't think anybody actually saw this in the theater who who ended up loving it. I think <laughs> no, all the right? people who saw it in the theater were just like, this is fucking stupid. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Actually, the introduction to Brody, he's sleeping and Shannon Doherty like knocks on his head, and you get that good hollow wood sound. <laughs> What does he say? Sweet fucking Christ, would you knock it off? (laughs) Like right out the gate, first words out of his mouth. And I love that because I'm so this guy. Like I'm like with most Kevin Smith movies, the the two main characters, like I'm a mixture of both of them. I'm a little I'm a little sad sacky like uh, like T.S., but I'm also a snarky dickhead. It's probably because I've watched kevin smith movies for so long that i'm like this of course the trouble is you're neither as adorable of sad sack as ts is or as successful in your snark as brody is so consequently and i know this because it's me too you come (laughs) off being the worst of both worlds i know it's so dumb (laughs) they're talking for a few minutes you know do you hit the bathroom already oh don't worry your mom didn't see me and he's like who's worried Uh." like what can i say she doesn't like you and she's like you never even introduced me to her so this relationship is not going well no right off the bat it's very apparent that she should dump his ass and so when she does it's more cathartic than anything I right feel. my sympathies are in no way with brody when he gets no. the letter right in the middle of the conversation they're like blah 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 and then he just starts freaking out and looking around and like lifting stuff up and they're like what the hell is he doing lifts up a sega controller and then he puts it down and then he lifts up another one and then he puts it down and then he lifts up that one again and then he puts it down and then he picks it up again i missed that i was making i was making pizza for myself during that <laughs> scene so i missed the nuance it's some pretty good physical acting from a guy who's never done fucking anything like that before and he's playing this crappy sega hockey game now it was supposed to be nhl 94 i believe but what ended up in the game was sega's version of a hockey game and they were supposed to take him on tour and stuff and but it never happened so they had to use that game in there even though but then she's like she's like you know you promised me breakfast and then he's like breakfast come and go renee hartford the whale they beat new england maybe once maybe twice in a lifetime i I don't know what any of those words mean neither do i (laughs) i I have no idea who he's referring to i'm not a hockey guy so i didn't get it then i don't get it now and then she throws a letter at his face just as she's okay so she's climbing out of the window and i always thought it was weird and there's a cool punisher poster and a comedy central sign before comedy central was really a big thing back when pen Gillette was doing the fucking un- when he was the the announcer on the channel. No shit. Yeah, like it had <laughs> just started. Like South Park hadn't hit yet, so it was just yeah, a new channel. South Park was when Comedy Central went mainstream. Yes, she opens the window and there's like a nail in it, and she shoves it into the ceiling, and that's how the window stays open. And then he opens up the letter that she throws out, and he's like, "Wait, you're dumping me? Is this because I didn't introduce you to my mother?" My feelings with Brody every time I watch it are the same as my feelings with John Cusack and High Fidelity. He's a huge <laughs> fucking asshole, and I hate him because he reminds me of all my worst attributes. Yeah, I've grown out of being that way a little bit, but not really. Grown out of acting that way. So now you just keep it to yourself. (laughs) It's not even that I feel it anymore, I guess, but I just remember so vividly being that guy and it makes me cringe every (laughs) fucking time I see it. I'm like, Jesus. Not, I mean, not only that, but also just watching this movie brings up what a shitty husband I was to my (laughs) ex-wife. Because I was introduced to, remember that video store I told you about, the 49 cent a night videos that I lived across the street from in the very first year of my marriage? That's where I found this movie. And I found it because a cute chick who worked there... 
was we were flirting with each other and she introduced me to it she introduced <laughs> me to mall rats and all i can think as i'm watching this and remembering this is my ex should have she should have been the one to divorce me why was i the one to divorce her i was a piece of shit and granted <laughs> i never cheated with her or anything i never did anything with the cute chick from the video store which i totally could have because my ex worked nights just the fact that i like i specifically kept going back looking for that chick at the video store i was an asshole needless to say this this viewing while very enjoyable in many ways did bring some shit up that just made me cringe at myself multiple times you're not supposed to you're not supposed to think deep thoughts when you're watching a movie like this no definitely not that is the inherent trouble in doing this podcast is i'll watch a movie that i'm not supposed to be having deep thoughts and i'll start dredging the depths for something to say during the podcast and then this ugly shit will come up and i'll be like well i've got something to say at least we're moving on to the next scene where ts and brody finally they they get together because ts shows up at brody's house and he's in his robe and his torn socks and he thinks it's renee knocking on the door and he says oh this chick is fickle or some shit and it turns out it's (laughs) ts it's not fucking renee because of course it's not she's she wised up for a good five minutes brody walks downstairs with a with orange juice and a wine glass and a piece of toast I missed the wine glass. <laughs> and and T.S. bumps his head. Kevin Smith is good at the very least for the one-liners that the characters throw out. That's He's a dialogue oh, yes. guy. So he's just like, oh, yes. remember the rules t- or the standard rules apply. Touch not lest ye be touched. And he's like, you're such an anal retentive bastard. I tried to teach you proper comic handling, but you wanted to play Little League instead. He managed to frame the letter that Renee dumped him in. He's reading the letter and he's like, oh shit, she even calls you callow in here. And he's like, you say that like it's a bad thing. He's like, it means frightened and weak-willed. It's like, oh shit, that's the only part of the letter I thought was complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Great character moment for Brody, too. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of an idiot. He's also a lovable idiot. He is. It's hard, it's hard not to enjoy him. He's only lovable because we're the audience and he's one of the main characters i mean yeah. let's be honest if you knew this guy in reality you'd fucking hate him i i do i yeah i i would hate him <laughs> so they <laughs> they get the bright idea to go to the mall but it's you know ts takes some coaxing because he has a brain he's like i know that what'll what'll ease our simultaneous double loss it's like what ritual suicide no you idiot the fucking mall and he's like Ugh, i'd prefer ritual suicide <laughs> <laughs> That's what this whole show is going to be, just me quoting lines from the movie. Brody's reverence for the mall is such an indication of how white and suburban Kevin Smith grew up. Oh, he he will let you know. He knows that. He's <laughs> like, he's very aware. <laughs> and I, again, this is one of those I know because I am. You know, like I was that white suburban kid who like when I was 19, 20 years old, oh God, I and I was married at the time, but I still went to the mall all the time. You know, just the mall was a thing. I worked in the mall for a while and it's just like, yeah, I'm on the inside now, motherfucker. Like I felt like a badass because I got the 50 cent sodas at the Cinnabon. Working at the mall brings us to our next scene because it's very important. We meet the one of the villains. There's two villains. Everybody has a villain. Uh, TS has Brandy's dad and Brody has shannon hamilton played by ben affleck ah uh, yes the fashionable male the fashionable male speaking of in that intro um i need to sell affleck this idea so affleck his comic book cover is the title is Buttman. Buttman, yes so i always thought since this is one of his first roles with one of his first movies i thought that he should do an autobiography and call it from Buttman to batman <laughs> That's a great idea. Copyright me. Oh, my God. 
That's a fantastic idea. Oh, I would read that. I would read that in a minute. It needs to happen and it never will. You know what? It probably will. Ben Affleck will come across this show and be like, oh, fuck, that's a great idea. Fuck these pieces of shit. I'm stealing that. That's what we got to keep telling ourselves. That Affleck will hear the show. (laughs) That Affleck, that anybody with any kind of juice would ever (laughs) listen to this show. Of course, Brody and him, like, bump into each other. Brody with his little Dixie cup full of soda. You know, you're really making that last. Waste not, want not. Uh-huh. As he bumps into Shannon, do you he, did you hear that sound effect? It just sounds like a big, huge splash. And I'm like, there can't be anything in there. <laughs> no. Again, still in the middle of, like, pizza making and dishing and bringing out and eating. You're supposed to do that before the movie starts, man. I know I am, but I'm, I'm not good at preparing. I'm terrible at time management which is why i'm probably going to end up fired from my job so right after that this movie really it 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 is basically just a movie full of people talking and walking but it really the plot scoots itself along pretty fucking quick so there's one thing happens another thing happens stuff just keeps fucking happening like right now brody walks into a piece of the stage but we don't know it's a stage like what the fuck's that more like a piece of the stage walks into him (laughs) yeah you you face if if you don't look does does he say like if you don't look forward you face the possibility of shock and damage and as he turns around, he smacks his face on a giant steel beam. It was a very well done subtext gag. <laughs> and then we meet Ethan Suppley, Willem, Willem, played by Ethan Suppley. Now, Willem, that's his yes. name. I can never remember it. It's my fucking brother's name. He's named William, but it's close enough. Okay. I call him Willem all the time. Some of you may notice that he lost a couple pounds. In Clerics, he's played, Will, the character Willem is played by a very thin man called Scott Mosier, who was in this movie as Roddy, the little, Mr. Svenning's little sidekick oh that was him yeah that's i never knew man. that was scott Mosier. yeah yeah that's because i've that's seen scott Mosier's name obviously uh all throughout kevin smith's filmography but uh did not realize that was him he got some lipo in between his day at the mall and his day hanging out at the quick stop willem is really uh distressed by this magic eye picture and everybody comes up and oh it's a sailboat and he's like you saw it too damn it like he gets really pissed off because he can't see and neither can i (laughs) i am on willem's side here i can never see those fucking things i love when the kid comes up he's like a schooner and he he has that moment where he's (laughs) like ha ha you (laughs) stupid fuck it's a boat yeah, it's a <laughs> sailboat a schooner is a sailboat, a sailboat. stupid head <laughs> and then and then he freaks out i do have this in my notes but and then he freaks out you know what there is no easter buddy i fucking love that so much <laughs> Now, my issue with that scene is, where is the teacher telling those kids to stop being shitheads? Where is the teacher to say, hey, sir, please don't yell at these children? The teacher's standing right there. I don't think people like that exist in Kevin Smith's world. Responsible adults? No, you're right. Yeah, no. I, I think respo- I think voices of reason don't exist in Kevin Smith's world. You want to meet Jay and Silent Bob? I think that's going to be fun. Uh, I think we have to eventually. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but let's see how much longer we can put it off for. <laughs> so, Jay and Silent Bob, they're hanging out at the pet store with the gerbils 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 in there he's doing the mat 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 he's doing the blunt man and chronic theme song is what that is <laughs> and silent bob is trying to do the jedi mind trick thing and it's uh it's actually very important to the plot later but there's another really fun line here where ps and brody are trying to find somebody to destroy the stage or to sabotage the game show so brandy can't be on it and they go to jay and silent bob and they're like oh we're, we were gonna do that anyway we don't have anything else to do and then trisha who we'll meet later is trying to find silent bob because he's a mechanical genius because he turned his mom's vibrator into a CD player using some chicken wire and shit. (laughs) 
<laughs> then we meet LaFours. I want to backtrack a minute to our introduction to Jay and Silent Bob. This yes. is the, I don't know if they were, if this line is in Clerks, but Brody refers to them as his favorite merry mischief makers. <laughs> Yes. I don't know if I, I I don't know if you remember that dialogue moment. Well, later on when Kevin Smith would do the Clerks animated series, that is what Jay and Silent Bob became because they couldn't be drug dealers because it was an ABC show. <laughs> right, right. So they I, couldn't be drug dealers, so they told him they're a couple of merry mischief makers, you know, like that's their role. So that was what Jane Silent Bob became was just merry mischief makers. Yeah, I have I watched it once a long time ago. I have not seen it in forever. I do like that the second episode was a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I thought it was really good. I I mean Obviously, he had to tone himself way, way down for network television, right, which is yeah. why he, which is why he said in the commentary, like, I should have totally gone with HBO. <laughs> oh yeah, and apparently they also made a pilot for a Clerks TV show, like a live action show. I don't know. Have you heard this story? No, this is new to me. Oh fuck! It was Jim Brewer and somebody else. I can't remember. But oh, I feel like that would be terrible. It would have been terrible. I'm not a huge Jim Brewer fan, so I, I like his stand up, but that's it. Like I. Like I don't like any of his SNL stuff. Dude, I watched Saturday Night Live maybe like three times in my entire fucking life. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't like his SNL stuff. I didn't enjoy Half-Baked. I loved Half-Baked, and I discovered it at about the same time that I discovered Mallrats. It is forever going to be weird to me that you're not a stoner. <laughs> That's kind of funny, isn't it? I know. You so seem like you should be. Now, I, I, I have a question to ask you so we can move on. Uh-oh. Oh, ye of little faith, you want a cookie? One of, <laughs> one of my favorite lines. I say that to people all the fucking time and nobody understands what the hell I'm talking about. I don't remember what the setup for it was. I remember the line. I don't know. It was T.S. being a sad sack and going like, this isn't going to work, man. Oh, oh, because he's like saying essentially like they're they're not going to, Jay and Silent Bob aren't going to be able to pull that off. Oh, yeah. Brody's like, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't try to stop him. He's like, I would have if I thought they could do it. Then the scene with the kids and the magic eye thing and him screaming about the Easter bunny. But then we get into one of the most important conversations that two grown men will ever have in a mall while eating cookies recap because my mind is drawing a blank right now <laughs> can lois lane hold superman's baby oh, carry superman's Jesus. baby i guarantee you he blows a load like a shotgun right through her back I... <laughs> <laughs> like the only way he could have sex with lois is with a kryptonite condom but that would kill him i love the sincere way lee delivers that line too <laughs> but that would kill him and then and then in the same scene ps is like you know how do i go from hot flirty and sex with brandy to superman coital debates with you in the food court and then another brody waxing philosophical about the fucking mall the cookie stand is not part of the food court it's like what are you talking about yes it is and he's like a cookie stand is not part of the food court the cookie uh, the food court is upstairs the cookie you know whatever anything else is considered an autonomous unit for mid-mall snacking he's like brody's like full-blown mall philosophy is the one thing in this movie that it's the reason i came back to the movie even though kevin smith's writing would put me off so many put me off so many times anyone else i would have been put off for all time but brody's full-blown mall philosophy (laughs) i just like i connected with it man i was working at the mall like a month after i saw this movie like i saw this movie and then i got the job at the toy store in the mall it's almost like and this i i can't swear this isn't the case i don't remember those days clearly enough but it's almost as if i watched that movie and was like that's what I have to do with my life. Because I was out of work at the time. Was it was it a lot like this? Because, I mean, you saw it in the late 90s, didn't you? Was that? No, I saw, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I saw it in the late 90s. I saw it in, uh, it would have been 98. Was it on, were, were you watching it on, oh, you watched it on, on the VHS. I watched it on yep. Stars. Nope, I watched it on VHS. Brody and Renee, 
have a little conversation. Oh, Cherche La Femme or whatever the fuck he says. And nothing really important happens because she's just like, you know, you're a fucking idiot and I broke up with you because you suck. And he's like, but we're cool, right? And visitation rights for the mall, whatever. And then there's a sock full of quarters. They're trying to, Jay and Silent Bob are trying to knock out Lafour's with their stupid blueprints and all that nonsense. Just end up giving him a sock full of quarters. Yeah. And then Silent Bob breaks in on Gwen accidentally uh, in the dressing room. We don't see a tit yet, but we're getting there. I would be lying if I said that in those lonely, sultry apartment at night, wife at work nights, I didn't pause the movie for some squiggly beat off uh, time to uh, to Joey Lauren Adams' boobs. Yeah, how do you think I feel? I was 12. <laughs> you probably jizzed in your pants. Why do you think I watched this movie in Half-Baked? Because there's... <laughs> Uh, two seconds of titties in mall rats there's half a second of titty in in half baked that's enough at and 12 years old that's all you need at 12 years old before the internet before free porn was everywhere yeah that was yep. more than enough and now we get brody and his more philosophy like you said about kids unsupervised and not respecting <laughs> elevators i hope his pants should... get caught in a bloodbath ensues <laughs> and I, you know what the the older that i get the more i totally and completely agree with that yes his mother should have to suffer that horror (laughs) i'm such an asshole but i'm like watch your fucking kids (laughs) jesus christ Oh, no, I'm a parent. I 100% concur. <laughs> it's really awful, but I'm like, oh, no, I so agree. That'll keep coming back here. Trisha Jones, we're going to meet Trish the Dish. Oh, Jesus. And that is that is a genuinely disturbing subplot. <laughs> uh, Because she's 15. Yeah. I didn't realize because, how fucked up it was until last night when I was watching it. Not just because she's 15. She's 15. She's got a... <laughs> She's got a huge advance on the book, and her parents are aware and on board. Yep. That is so many levels of disturbing. Before we get to the super disturbing stuff about that, she is related to another character from other Kevin Smith movies. Do you know which one? Oh, I don't know Trish's last name. Jones. Oh, that does not help. <laughs> she's uh, she's the sister of Alyssa from Chasing Amy, Joey Lauren Adams' character. Oh, no shit. Yeah. They pop up together at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You know, she's the one who says, well, oh. why don't you make, wh- why don't they make that Chasing Amy comic into a movie? And she's like, fuck, that would never work. I remember Joey Lauren Adams doing that. I just didn't realize that that was also Trish. Yeah. Yeah. It with was her. her. It was her. The, these Did movies are all connected. This was a universe. I know they're before, all connected. Before Marvel. But this was before Marvel. But it was after Abbott and Costello. So I don't know. Who was first? Yeah. Marvel gets so much goddamn credit marvel did the marvel movies didn't invent the shared universe what the marvel movies invented was treating movies like comics where you can't just watch one and get a story right right you can you can watch a couple and be fine but you need to fucking dig deep yeah for some like of those like they're releasing major blockbusters that you can't just go and see you have to have seen all the movies that came before them that fucked up In that's so weird the biggest the highest grossing movie of all time avengers endgame makes no fucking sense (laughs) if you haven't seen like a dozen other movies i say start with thor ragnarok and then work your way forward and then you'll be fine you can't start with thor thor ragnarok is the immediate precursor to infinity war i know i'm saying well you know captain america civil war was would probably be the place if you don't want to watch them all and you just kind of need to start somewhere there you go at least you'll know or maybe just don't get sucked in just stick with spider-man and call it macaroni don't though well i mean you know a couple of the spider 
Spider-Man movies are good. But they go to the comic book store and Trisha says, good luck at the comic book store. And she's like, what is the, he's like, what does that mean? Fucking good luck at the comic book store. And there's a line and it says hour wait. And you have Brian Johnson and Walt Flanagan fucking outside being douchebags and security guards or whatever. And those are Kevin Smith's friends who show up in all of his movies. Why am I not surprised by that? I did not recognize them, but yeah, that does not, that does not shock me at all. Uh, I don't think Brian Johnson was in Clerks, but he shows up in later movies and he went off to direct his own movie that Kevin Smith produced called Vulgar about a clown who does sex parties and then gets raped and has to get revenge on everybody. Oh, he was the director of that. Yeah. So I, I am aware of Vulgar. I haven't seen it. I know it stars Dante. Yeah, and I've I saw it once, I think, maybe twice. It's got Ethan Supley in it. Is it any it. good? I don't remember. No, probably not. <laughs> Speaking of Ethan Supley, he doesn't look anything like himself anymore. Nope, sure doesn't. I saw a picture of him and I was like, how the fuck is that the same human being? I can't even, for all I know, you just paraded some complete stranger and was like, this is Ethan Supley. And I'm like, just supposed to accept that now. No, it's crazy, right? Like He looks like a goddamn pro wrestler slash biker. He really does. And that's that's fucking impressive, though. I want his personal trainer. I want his money and his personal trainer. Props to him for doing it. Like, holy shit, that took some doing, you know, but uh, I literally literally can't tell if people aren't just trying to get one over on me you know <laughs> right no that's totally him don't worry my favorite ethan supley role is when he played frankie in in boy meets world though uh i think i enjoyed him the most in my name is earl also you, with uh, jason lee you would i never I, watched my name is earl which maybe now i should because i did watch uh what's that fucking show called raising I hope and there was like a crossover. yeah i mean it's very white trashy like that <laughs> but again my name is earl is like a mom show like my mom used to watch it and all those shows i'm just like fuck i don't want to watch watch it because my mom used to watch it and that is it's, and she's not cool so i don't <laughs> <laughs> hey anything with jamie presley doesn't have to sell itself to me i'm there all right fair i think enough. that she's woman is ten thousand kinds of hot i love you man i really like her character in that who did she play in that i why am i not remembering her she in was that john favreau's wife rashida, Fuck, i didn't even remember favreau was in that rashida jones best friend the I blonde didn't one rashida jones was in that what the good fuck? lord are we talking about the same the jason siegel movie yeah paul rudd is also in it yeah with paul rudd yeah jesus yeah. i've completely <laughs> forgotten this movie i gotta watch that again i really enjoyed it i yeah i got i gotta rewatch that my daughter was on a paul rudd kick speaking of which have you seen have you seen the mask video with paul rudd no no it, it popped up on my youtube <laughs> i should probably check it out i love that guy from what i hear he's kind of a dork in real life like in a good way though but oh, he's like the I nicest dude on the fucking planet he's a national treasure that's all i can say while they're at the comic book store the kid gets caught in the elevator escalator escalator it's and, an escalator and we all cheered and when ts goes to goes to ask somebody like hey who what's what what's going on in there that guy that bald guy who has stanley's signature all over his head uh-huh that is dave klein who is the director of photography on most of kevin smith's movies oh so he's not a very good director of photography is what you're telling me they were all they were all learning at the time (laughs) they they all went to film school together and shit so they were yeah rather they all dropped out of film school together well i think scott Mosier and dave klein actually graduated kevin smith is like fuck this i'm leaving (laughs) and they couldn't improve smith's visuals no with their education no why would they No, Scott Moser just decided, he's like, I'm going to figure out what to do with the money. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he figured it out, I guess. He finally went off to direct a, movies. He went off to direct a movie that nobody liked, so it's fine. There you go. He directed the, that animated Grinch movie that came out a couple years ago. Ugh. <laughs> I know. That's 
what no. I said. I'm like, I'm not watching that fucking thing. Sorry, Illumination Studios. You can just not, as far as I fucking care. So Stan Lee is blockading the, or rather the Stan Lee fanboy crowd. And I love that, I love that Brody refers derogatorily to Yeah, to one of those guys. Fuck you, guys fanboy. As a fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what, you think just because I just because I read comics, comics, I can't start some shit? <laughs> yes. I love that line, too. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and Kevin Smith has had a very, like, no improv rule, like a very strict rule about it. He did not like improv, so all that shit he wrote. Oh, I believe it. He's very fetishistic about his scripts he and really about is. his dialogue specifically. I think he's less like that nowadays, but back then he was, I think he was just kind of, like, scared to let people do stuff, you know? And yeah, because he so. didn't know what he was doing as a director, yeah. and so when you don't know what you're doing you have to rely on something where you do know what you're doing which is his script and he did know admittedly i mean kevin smith's dialogue is sharp and it's funny it's not necessarily the most naturalistic but that's okay <laughs> because it's really effective but now people talk like that because of him <laughs> yeah because he taught him to <laughs> Jay and Bob try to destroy the stage again. This time it's the fly fat ass fly scene where he's dressed as Batman. I actually have a little miniature of uh, Silent Bob in his Batman suit oh, with awesome. his arms out like he's getting ready to make the jump. It was given to me by a dead friend who basically I met because I had a buddy Christ on the wall of my cubicle <laughs> at work. And he came over and was like, that's hilarious, man. I love Kevin Smith's movies. And, you know, he's he we, he just struck up a conversation. He was one of the most delightfully awkward nerds you ever met and just super, super sweet guy. And he just, man, he was looking for a friend and he was like, <laughs> we've got this in common. We should be friends. And indeed, we became friends. He ended up giving me the uh, Jay and Silent Bob set, the, the mall rat set. You know what'll cheer you up, though? Boobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams finally, finally shows a nipple for like a half a second. It is blink and you miss it. Yeah, and guess what? I never miss it because I was 12. Neither do I. <laughs> I don't miss it to this day. I don't even think Joey Lauren Adams is hot anymore, and I still never miss it. Yeah, I'm okay with her. This time, though, she, we, we this is the first time she speaks, I think, and then you hear that Renee Zellweger voice. <laughs> I actually thought she was Renee Zellweger when I was a kid. I could see making that mistake. Yeah. And, oh, I should clarify. When I say I don't think Joey Lauren Adams is hot anymore, I don't mean because she got older. I mean, I don't think young Joey Lauren Adams is hot anymore. Like, oh. at the time I did, now I don't. It's just a taste thing. I don't know. I'll give you that. Like, she still looks the same. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, like she, like she's aged like everybody, but just a little, uh, you know few more few more wrinkles on it but hey who who the fuck doesn't have more wrinkles now <laughs> i'm fat so i don't have wrinkles yet i'm oily i think it's i think my <laughs> lack of wrinkles is my oil that's yeah. how you get chicks i'm making sure to leave that in and you're gonna get a bunch of chicks like <laughs> i like oily boys <laughs> gonna happen i like i like my men greasy <laughs> like reese witherspoon if anybody has read uh, Silent Bob Speaks, you'll probably get that reference a little bit. I don't get it at all. I just thought it was fucking hilarious <laughs> to think of Reese Witherspoon, like, getting all hot and bothered about some greasy motherfucker like me. Oh, no. He he called her for a while Greasy Reezy Witherspoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Selma Blair told him to be nice, I think, because they were friends. <laughs> We get probably my favorite line in the entire movie after this. Uh, T.S. and Brody are sitting somewhere. I don't even know at this point. And they're talking They're talking about relationships because that's what they do. Uh, and Brody says, why buy the cow? Or my, my grandmother always says, why buy the cow when you get the sex for free? And he's like, meaning, <laughs> like, I don't know. She became a lesbian on her 60th birthday, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we get the, they follow Shannon and Renee. By the way, Shannon's fucking Renee, I guess, is what we're getting out of it. I don't think they have yet. I don't know if they have. I can't really, I can't really make up my mind if they've gotten there yet. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, Shannon is Affleck. Yes. Renee is Shannon. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you were throwing me off. I was like, (laughs) who the fuck is Renee? I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) They're about to get on the elevator and Brody like kidnaps Renee and pulls her onto the elevator and then they she starts attacking his libido, but he has no libido to attack according to her and they're arguing about the relationship because <laughs> that's just what people do. And then they have sex in the elevator. It's a solidly written back and forth it scene. Is. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I'm a girl. Culminate. Having it culminate in them banging in the elevator is pretty damn good, too. And then the too little, too late. I thought you said it was a nice size. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. Not that, not that their dicks are a good size. I do, but it's to belittle them. But... <laughs> But every time I've I've heard this a lot where dudes are like, yeah, this chick told me that I have the biggest penis she ever saw. I'm like, okay, no, you don't. That was her stroking your ego, dude. Just uh, just say thanks and move on. Yeah, don't go bragging about it. No, and then I tell people the story. I'm like, you know what? I fucked this girl once, and you know what she told me? She said, "You're not the best I ever had, but you're pretty good." <laughs> and I'm like, I believe that. I, yeah, I can, that I can is, totally believe that. I could buy into that. Yeah. If someone, if like right out the gate, someone was like, oh God, that was amazing. I've never had better. I'd be like, stop fucking doing that. Lies. There has to be an, a, a sexual event that goes on before I'm going to buy you telling me I'm the best you've been with. <laughs> like, like some, some shit has to go down. Not me flailing <laughs> on top of you for the first time because I'm fucking <laughs> nervous, you know? Yeah. Everybody knows your first time with someone is not going to be that i don't care how good you are in bed normally i'm i would say i am confident in my abilities in bed i'm not going to be the best you ever slept with but i'm not going to be the worst you ever slept with but that first time if we stop there i might be the worst you ever slept with (laughs) i am average at best like shannon doherty would never fuck me you know (laughs) i can confidently say if someone will fuck me twice they'll probably fuck me three times we meet Gwen for serious this time instead of just seeing her tits. Uh, and she gets elbowed in the tit and Brody's like, that's what you get for fucking with me because he's like, suddenly I want something very bad to happen to you because, oh, TS keeps on saying that he's glowing because he fucked Renee in the elevator. He's like, if I am if I have any kind of glow, it's because I just had, just because I just got laid, I'd have the same look if I if I nailed anybody in that, es- in that elevator. Present company excluded. It is a little bit weird that we meet Joey Lauren Adams' tits before we meet her <laughs> I as know, a character. It's strange. Oh, uh, it, th- that was Kevin's smith's girlfriend at the time if you can believe it oh really yeah i because i knew i know he was writing for her at the time like he you know he said that in multiple interviews and stuff that he was originally going to cast her as god and dogma because he was really hung up on her and i was like he writes about her like they're dating but i didn't know if they actually were dating at the time yes and they broke up before chasing amy started filming i think probably ended up getting a better performance out of her because of it oh yeah and then he met his he met his wife during the the press stuff for chasing amy so that's kind of oh, shit yeah i know stuff i know stuff about kevin smith because he never shuts the fuck up that's true even though he plays silent bob michael rooker scene i don't even know what the fuck happens in that scene i cannot remember for the life of me it's, it's is that the scene just where he's uh he's setting up the stage setting and up the stage and he, falls through and do you, do you know do you know who the guy is who uh who uh was fucking with him it's the same guy who said tell him steve dave outside of the comic book stop comic book store but it's you know <laughs> he's playing steve a different dave <laughs> Tell him Steve, Dave. <laughs> I don't know I what that means, but yeah. I can't get past. It's one of those names like, like, you know, uh, Billy Joe or Ed Tom. <laughs> uh, 
Alexa Bliss named her pig Larry Steve. Larry Steve. <laughs> weird. I don't know. Like names like that just weird me out. The only one I can kind of I can kind of be okay with is like variations on Billy, like Billy Joe, Billy Bob, Billy John, Billy Jack, things like that. Very anything that has Billy in it, I can be like, okay, so you're a redneck. All right. What um, about what about Billy Joe from Green Day? He's not a redneck. His parents were hippies. Yeah, but he's got a redneck name. So <laughs> <laughs> okay but but yeah like you throw any other combination like that together like if it, you know like like steve dave it's fucking <laughs> hilarious to me i don't know it's it's like it's just so bizarre and nonsensical in my mind like my my brain can't reconcile it even though i understand people do that i, I can't it's just never going to stop being funny to me i don't get it but it's it's fine you can you can name your kids dumb things it's whatever but that that's a recurring thing in in kevin smith's movies at least those first few like there's what, always steve somebody, dave tell him steve dave yeah so uh since gwen has been broken in on twice she just decides to try on underwear in the middle of the fucking store and brody <laughs> comes right. up with a fuck with a oh, with his underpants on going like i would have been a sexy chick and then he tells a story about he compares him his and renee's relationship to spooning with somebody and how his arm pops out of socket and it's like a metaphor for our entire relationship and then he makes the lady cry <laughs> I, I just love the reaction of the of the cl- of the the clerk haha <laughs> Is she a clerk? I don't know. She's a, she's a, she works there. I don't know. The person at the reg the the gal at the register, whatever the fuck she. I guess she's a clerk. I love her reaction. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. Fill this with coke, no ice. Shannon beats the shit out of this guy because he kind of figured out what he did in the elevator. It's a testament to how well I've gotten to like Brody that at this point I'm not thrilled that he gets the shit beaten out of him. <laughs> because if if you'd done it in scene three, I would have cheered. <laughs> But uh, Shannon tells Brody that he wants to screw Renee someplace very uncomfortable. And again, like the another, back of a Volkswagen, yeah, another recurring joke. They say it three or four times. I actually no. fell in love with a woman because of that. Because of fucking her in the butt? No, 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 no. Because I, I can't remember what the conversation was, but somehow I said some, uh, something about someplace very uncomfortable. And I was making it. I was making an <laughs> anal sex joke. I very much was. And she came back with like, the backseat of a volkswagen <laughs> oh i was like why didn't you marry her you and me are going out for sure like you and me are gonna meet up this was this was just in our preliminary chats and then i ended up dating her for uh oh shit three years oh wow jeez almost i almost proposed to her gross i was kidding about the getting married thing so the easter bunny then the easter bunny gets his ass kicked because he blames it on the fucking blames getting beat up on the easter bunny and then gwen and brandy have a really boring conversation about ts there's a lot of melodrama going on you can tell that kevin smith was a fan of like uh degrassi and shit (laughs) now we're gonna move on to like probably the most famous scene from this movie the stink palm and the chocolate covered pretzels yes indubitably and it is fucking you know you know what's you know the grossest part about it is when when mr svenning eats the pretzels and they do do the close-up on his mouth and like and him licking i hate that chocolate the sound effects and everything the slurping yeah i'm i'm not okay (laughs) with that it's and icky. Rooker sells it, man. Oh, he's so good at oh. it. Ugh, gross. But they get escorted out of the mall because apparently they're the only two in the entire world that he thinks could maybe ruin his show, which is weird. Like these two <laughs> powerless nerds that fucking are at the mall reading comic books and eating cookies and shit. They're going to ruin his whole day. That tells you what a precipice he's on with this show. Yeah. <laughs> 
that he's genuinely concerned about those two losers <laughs> like deep in the back of my mind i have to imagine there was a there there was a quiet room and a shotgun in his future uh there is a deleted scene from the beginning of the movie there's like a director's cut of this which is weird, oh shit which is weird because kevin smith fucking edited it in the first place <laughs> Yeah, who was who was trying to take Final Cut away from him on Mallrats? There's there's a scene where where something at the governor's ball, he like he he was tell it was a televised event and it got fucked up, and that's why they they make a reference to those two business guys. It's like if this was if this resembles what happened at the governor's ball, you know you'll be posting the the lottery drawing on public access the rest of your career or some shit. No, that's that's the thing is like yeah, like like I was saying, you know, it's like the reason he's so stressed about this thing and the reason he's fearing Brody and TS is because his career is clearly on the line even even if you just take that one scene mm. if you don't take anything <laughs> else his his career is very clearly on the line so yeah it doesn't surprise me that he's uh he's not taking any chances and i do think that it was because of ts and brody like something got fucked up at the beginning i haven't watched that in a long time but because oh not, really because it's not that good like those, those extra scenes aren't that exciting it's good that they cut unnecessary scenes i guess you know like it speaks to the quality level of the movie that they knew what to cut well kevin smith really knows like i've watched a bunch of his deleted scenes and i'm like holy fuck this got deleted for a reason it's so boring (laughs) i'm like stop adding shit in back into your movies you cut out this shit for a reason because you write it and you think it sounds good and then you shoot it and you're like oh never mind even he says that editing the movie is like doing another draft ts and brody get escorted out they were going to have the have weed planted on them but they're saved by jay and silent bob and they have to run away and they go to the dirt mall here's where you get the hugest boner of your life and you fucking they go and visit the topless fortune teller. Now, I know I've said this before on the podcast, but I will reiterate it again. The first time I saw this movie, I was not ready for that scene. <laughs> I wasn't. Was I was. Too- Why do you think I watched this movie? Because I knew there was going to be boobs in this part. No, I was ready for boobs. What I wasn't ready for was that third nipple. <laughs> I always tell people fuck us. I quote lines from this movie a lot and nobody knows. But of what I'm course about. you only quote the fucking obscure lines that <laughs> no one will remember. Even a guy who literally <laughs> just watched the movie. And I love the second she pulls off the top, she's he's like, Oh god, that's so gross. And T S is like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right about everything. It's like, oh, you have a third nipple I didn't even notice. She sells it, like she sells the sexiness of it, but she also manages to sell the comedy of it. I'll, I'm telling you, the side characters in this are amazing and apparently she's right about everything but really she just happens to get lucky because she probably heard him talking or something but she does say that the third nipple is why she's effective let's keep in mind let's keep in mind like this is this is a world where god literally comes down and destroys ben affleck as an angel that is with the with the power of her voice psychics not exactly outside the realm of feasibility (laughs) that's true she does rip off the third nipple and put it in her mouth because it's obviously not real but what the fuck did she put it in her mouth for yeah that always confused me like is she eating it or is she licking it to put it back on and if she is why'd she take it off in the first place was it an improvised scene i don't know she is an older actress so kevin smith was probably like yeah do what you want yeah i mean maybe you know she's a good she's a good actress she's she's a little bit older she's got some experience you know so we do go back to the real mall though they're gonna get on the show but while ts is making a plan he had also i guess concocted this thing with stan lee he found time to do this and stan lee finds brody staring at lingerie and he's like oh the couples they look happy don't they he's like what the bras 
And he's like, no, that couple. And this is, and I keep forgetting. I've watched this a couple times in the past couple years, and I'm like, why does the fuck? Why doesn't he know who he is? Like, what the hell's going on? And I'm like, oh yeah, no internet. Not everybody <laughs> doesn't know who the fuck every single person in the world is. Well, it's like even if you were a Stanley fan, like I had met Stanley at that point. By the time this movie came, I met Stanley in 1991. Very briefly at a con, he signed my Stanley Marvel card, still my prized nerd possession. And he looks different in the movie than I remember him. He <laughs> looks different than his Marvel card and his pictures in uh, Marvel comic books. He looks just a little different, you know? So if you, yeah, without the internet and the constant media saturation. Yeah. And Stanley wasn't everywhere. Let's let's not forget that at this point, comics were still pretty fringy. I mean, Brody has to explain. Keep, <laughs> wrap your head around this for a second. Brody has to explain to TS when Jay goes and does the Wolverine clause. <laughs> yeah, yep. Who Wolverine is. And comics were not fully mainstream yet like they are nowadays like we had you know we had the superman movies and batman but marvel comics in particular were not really well marvel comics were definitely the big boys of comics you know like it like it was them in dc but marvel was definitely you know like they were they were the big boys but even still it was and in the 90s which was when you know comic nerddom actually caught some mainstream appeal and actually you know started leading up to the x-men movies which led up to the spider-man movies which led up to the marvel movies movies that had begun already but it wasn't in full swing just yet so you know a hardcore nerd like brody he knew who stanley was but even then you know like you only saw him in magazines occasionally and yeah and he's not gonna walk right up to you and start talking to you right <laughs> yeah if yeah. you see an old guy who looks kind of like stan lee walking up you think it's an old guy who kind of looks like stan lee and in new jersey no less in fucking yeah <laughs> <laughs> in Leonardo, I assume, is where all of his things kind of take place. That's a good cameo, and he gives him a story, and it turns out, you know, T.S. like set it up, and Stanley's like, yeah, I told him this fucking bullshit story about the fucking vulture or whatever. The funny thing is, is upon rewatching, you can really see Stanley reading his lines. But he's so goddamn, he's a lovable dude. He is. You can't not love Stanley. I like even if you're the ultimate comic book hipster and you're like, oh, fuck the Marvel movies and fuck Marvel comics, which I am a little bit. You still got to love Stanley. Even if you even if you recognize that he's the one who gets attention when Jack Kirby deserves it more, you still got to love Stanley. He's the face of the company. Well, he was. He's dead now. But you know, he he was the face of the company. Moving from one icon to another, Jay goes and he his job is to <laughs> knock out the contestants of this game show. So him, TS, and and Brody can get on the show, but they only knock out two. I, I had a setup in my brain and my brain just kind of took off. My mouth just kind of took off and I didn't fucking. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> when you went, uh oh, and then just stopped dead, I was like, I feel like he was going somewhere <laughs> with that and we got lost. But I wasn't actually like, I wanted my brain to like catch up, but it just, it just did. It just stopped dead right when I said, uh oh. <laughs> Anyways, they're unconscious because they're fucking, Jay says it, they're lightweights. All it took was one chronic blunt. It was the 90s, and I think the, I think chronic had come out already. Uh, Mr. Svenning is sick now. He got, like, what, what, I can't remember what they said, diphtheria from the stink bomb. <laughs> diphtheria, that's right. Realistically, it was probably E. coli. Yeah, right, and that that's where it comes to him puking all over the place and being all gross and shit. But since there's only two contestants knocked out, Gil Hicks shows up, who I gotta assume is Dante's <laughs> cousin or something. I am... St- 
you blew my mind with that fact you seriously did i'm like jesus it unwraps so like i I, and i never made that connection that they're all played by the same guy you just figured we were supposed to ignore it no you're not supposed to ignore it he was doing like a like a sergio leone thing you know just casting the same (laughs) friends in the same movies which he does do that but yes but yeah yeah that's a that's a whole new layer i love it silent bob is setting up a vcr on stage and we don't really know exactly why oh it is it is set up earlier that trisha does record all of the people she has sex with by the way and she did have sex with Shannon Hamilton because she needed a 25 year old for her research. So Trish basically has the world's hugest collection of child porn. The the show starts and remember keep in mind it's like the dating game. If anybody remembers that which anybody under 30 definitely doesn't. They're just trying to capture the 90s youth market with a staple of 70s television. Unless, unless you grew up on the game show network. I knew what what love connection was but that's only because yeah you're right I'm over 30. I had a, a long history with Love Connection because the dating game actually ended while I was still very young, but I knew Love Connection and I knew Love Connection basically was the dating game. And then I later would eventually see an actual episode of the dating game on the game show network. Oh, this show is called Truth or Date, by the way. Yeah. And which is, uh, but it's just, the, it's the same shit. Yeah. T.S. Brody and Gil are up on the stage and Brandy's asking him a bunch of stupid fucking questions because that's what you do on a dating game. Gil's fucking answers are so on point for that whole I know genre of television. I mean, he fucking nailed. And again, Brody is my Brody is my voice here. It's like that was the biggest load of crap I ever heard, and it's all fucking bullshit. It's like going to a wedding and having everybody give these dumbass toasts. I'm like, none of that is honest. It is all bullshit. Brody is definitely everybody's voice in that scene. Oh my god, I hate people. But that's also why I like watching shitty reality shows like that because it's also disingenuous. It's fucking hilarious. I know you don't even want to hate watch them. I I, I can separate it. I got this. But that that's what every crackhead says. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You see, you start out watching it ironically, and the next thing you know, know. you're in. We've had this conversation before. I know. Let's not retread that one. <laughs> you just make me angry. So, so, and Brody is fucking stealing the show. By the way, he's saying he's swearing, and everybody's gasping, and he's being really, really weird and making making his sex noises. And so Trisha brings the tape of Shannon Hamilton, and she like shows it to Brody from the balcony, and he's like wiggling his hands and like pointing backstage, and the two the two suit and tie guys are like what is the funny guy doing with his hands we get another cousin walter story but before that jay tosses the tape to bob who's still hanging upside down he's probably been there for like hours at this point and trisha wisely says i'm gonna leave now because i don't think i want to be here when you do what i think you're gonna do with that tape (laughs) yes very very smart girl which is probably why at the end of the movie you find out that her book outsells the bible or some shit and lafors is her security guard (laughs) LaForce is not just her security guard, but he is being creepily protective of her. Like, you wonder if there's something more going on with her and LaForce. Well, maybe she uh, maybe she upped the age limit of maybe. her research. Oh, and, and her book is called Borgasm, the study of the male sexual prowess of the 90s or something. <laughs> yeah. Another Cousin Walter story, and this one is about everybody jerking off on a plane because the plane was going down. And then right at the end of the story, he's like, you know, everybody puts their pieces or whatever, you know, away and the plane writes itself and nobody mentions the phenomenon to anyone else. And then Gil looks at him and goes, well, did he come or what? And he's like, Jesus Christ. Some things you just don't talk about in public <laughs> i love how he told the whole story and gil asked the question he's just like you're the fucking gross one you freak 
Again, Brody is one of the best characters Kevin Smith ever wrote. Again, I you, you want to hate him, but because he's in this movie, you love him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's such an asshole. But yeah, you like you can't help but love him because he says all the shit that you're thinking. So, you know, the, the game show ends and Brandy finds out like, hey, T.S. and Brody are there because because of course she does. I can't of, believe it took her as long as it did. She uh, must be like stupid, a little slow. Of course, her and T.S. get back together and he proposes on stage. But it's real weird because they were broken up and he, and she's mad at him for essentially killing somebody <laughs> Yeah, like him pining for her does not make him like. Shouldn't he at least have to apologize for that shit? Yeah, no, they're they're completely okay, and that that's yeah, they're a thing. divorced now for sure. Oh God, we were talking about that too, and we're like, no, you know, they're still in college, and he said he was gonna wait to marry her until they got out of college. There's no fucking way they ever made it that far. If they got married, they were married for like a year, and then they fucking figured out. Oh, I'll give I'll give them five, but you know, that's just because that's just because TS is such a simp. We still have one couple to reunite here. Yes, so we do. Bob is trying really hard to get that tape and it's stuck in the rafters and he's like trying to do the Jedi mind trick and we're intercutting with Willem still staring at the fucking magic eye thing but Stan Lee walks right <laughs> past him and goes hey it's a sailboat he pats him on the shoulder and walks away and then Willem flips the fuck out he's like ah when will I see the goddamn sailboat he's at the stage at the side of the stage and I don't know security sucks at this place they would just let him right next to the stage and fuck around with it why when lord when will I see the goddamn sailboat and he's kicking the stage and the tape pops up Bob thinks you know he did it with his Jedi pack hours and he pops the tape in solid gag he, he pops the tape in and then the very first thing you hear well actually hang on hang on we we're almost there i kind of missed a i missed a step brody starts monologuing because that's what he does this is before Naturally. bob can yeah and he's talking about oh renee you have my heart you have it all and then shannon's getting up to kick his ass and he's and and shannon shannon's coming from one side and the security guards or the cops or whatever are coming from the other side and he's like now silent bob and then you know they finally get the tape in there and the first thing you hear is affleck going Who's your favorite new kid? <laughs> That's right. Who's your favorite new kid? Call me Joey. Call me Donnie. Please don't go, girl. <laughs> um, watch me get loose. <laughs> It's so fucking gross. And then that girl's only 15 years old. And then, of course, the cops are like, you know, you sabotaged an entire show on live TV. And we're going to we're not also going to arrest this guy. We're going to completely forget you exist. And we're just going to arrest this guy. I love when he when he goes to punch him and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't hit a prisoner in police custody. And all I could think of when they said that was that's our job. But then they're like, make it quick. Silent Bob speaks. Him and Jay are walking around. He's like, how'd you get the tape? And he just kind of nods and he's like, holy shit, motherfucking Yoda and shit. And I used to say that all the time when I was a kid because I really like to swear a lot. But then, you know, adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things. And then they walk away. And of course, Brody and Renee are back together. Brody gets his own talk show. We can't skip over. Maybe the best line from Brody anyway, at least for me, like in the way it hit, is when the guy walks up to him and is like, have you ever thought about hosting a talk show? And he goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he he does he takes over he takes over the late show i think it was the tonight show the tonight show and renee is his band leader and she's shannon doherty's just like slamming on these fucking drums and it's really weird <laughs> Oh, and he still lives with his parents, but he introduced her to his mom and she liked her. So, you know, so where the fuck is she in the in the later movies where where uh, Brody shows up? How come they never address him not hosting the Tonight Show? OK, I was going to ask the same fucking question. Like, why aren't they like, so whatever happened with that Tonight Show gang? He's like, ah, got tired of it. You know, something like that. Some <laughs> some Brodyism comes out. Right. And he's like, I'd rather hang out at a mall and, you know, sell comics or whatever. We get a nice little. Oh, Shannon Hamilton ends up in jail and there's a prison 
prison rape joke, which doesn't age well. That shit was hilarious back in the day, though. And then the Weezer song Suzanne starts playing, and Jay and Silent Bob walk away with a with a with a chimpanzee named Suzanne. An orangutan. We, an orangutan. Sorry, yes. And we won't actually figure that figure out what the hell that's about until. Jay and Silent Bob strike back like five, six years later. So that's a real weird detail to throw in there for no reason. And I think he just kind of forgot about it. And then he's like, oh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. That's a perfect place for that. So that's the movie. That's fucking Mallrats. It's a good time. It's a dumb fucking early 90s slacker comedy. It is so 90s. Like, I can't believe Smash Mouth isn't on the soundtrack. It's that 90s. Movies like this do not exist anymore. Like, I think Sex Drive kind of tried to do something sort of like this in a way, like tonally, but it's fucking, they don't do this at all anymore. No. Probably for the best, I think. Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) Because honestly, Kevin Smith is still, every once in a while, it's fun to see him, like, retread this stuff. Like, it's what he's good at. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if you're already a fan, I can't imagine introducing somebody to the Jay and Silent Bob reboot and like that's their first that's Kevin their first, Smith experience. They wouldn't get it. Like who? No. That would make no sense. They, I mean, it would literally just be 90 minutes of nonsense. There is a story about a man and his daughter trying a man trying to connect with his daughter, but fuck, it is so disjointed and if you don't have all the years of Kevin Smith background to go along with it, there's nothing to watch. There just isn't. Let's close this shit out. So, if you want to follow us on some social media, you can do that on everything at the Shark Pod. And if you want to give us money because you wanna, you feel bad for us because obviously we need we need to buy more Kevin Smith movies. I don't have I don't them even all. Own chasing Amy. Oh my God! You can donate some money to us at patreoncom Hollywood. You know, if you make a monthly donation, I'll show you my boobs. I don't know. And we also have this Audible sponsorship that we always we keep forgetting about. And I'm still reading the same book that I was reading. Probably who knows who knows if I'll be done with it by the time this episode actually comes out. But Audible try dot com slash sharks across hollywood because you need free audiobooks or uh, you know what i'm actually right in the middle of an audiobook right now that may help us promo this thing so i will just go ahead with it as if you agreed audible has a new thing where they have a selection of books that you get automatic access to with your subscription so you do not have to buy them you can just go ahead and listen to them and Yes, there is some filler in there, but there are also some really genuinely awesome books, like the one I'm reading right now, Tales of Ordinary Madness by Charles Bukowski, which I'm reading for the first time. I have not read it before, and uh, I am enjoying the hell out of it. And you can too. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash sharks across Hollywood and sign up for your free trial and uh, support the show. We'll be back next week with stuff. So, you know, ask yourself the question, why buy the cow when you get the sex for free? For all of those of you out there who are wondering, if you ever really want to hurt someone's feelings just refer to them as suitorette <laughs> uh suitor number two that's a bathroom code second suitor thank you very much so remember everybody don't be a gill if somebody asks you a question about what your what a first kiss with you is like just fucking be honest and tell them you suck at it just like everybody else don't take your date to see fucking deflator mouse deflator mouse and then go golfing okay what a date fuck that guy anyways we'll we'll fuck him later until then stay jossum